0: This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. Things broke the Steelers' way yesterday.
1: I was way off on this one. Not that I'm not way off on some others, but I actually thought the Bengals might pull an upset yesterday. Uh, As Mike Lang would say, shame on me for six weeks. I just thought that the, Ram, the the Saints were coming off that big game against the Rams. Maybe a bit of a letdown there. The Bengals were coming off a bye week. Two weeks to prepare. Yeah, I know they didn't have A.J. Green, but AJ unless A.J. Green played defense, it wasn't going to help him. And because of that, the Bengals today fired their defensive coordinator, Terrell Austin, who just got there, right? Start of the year. It was an awful performance, but that benefits the Steelers, and when you stop and think that next week Cincinnati plays Baltimore, someone's going to lose, and whoever it is, it will benefit the Steelers, and especially, I mean, I told you you'd have to root for Baltimore to win that game to even out their records, although if depends on who you consider the bigger threat to the division if you consider either one of those teams a threat if baltimore wins they're both 5 and 5 that's why the steelers winning to get up to 7-2 and 1 man you're sitting in really good shape at that point but it's more than just the division i mean your first objective is to win your division Right now, by the way, the Steelers would be the number two seed in the AFC. And this is what I mean by it being a good day. Now, again, none of this is going to mean much if a week from today we're talking about how the Steelers lost the game in Jacksonville. But stop and consider what happened yesterday. Not only did the Bengals get routed, and you wonder where their heads are at. I have a feeling I know exactly where their heads are at. And it's stuck up a piece of their own anatomy that whole organization. Baltimore's reeling. But the Patriots lost. Now, that's not a guarantee because the Patriots are going to cruise to a win in that division. It's not a good division, (laughs) to say the least. And that's not to say that the AFC North is, but at least the AFC North is competitive. I mean, you're looking at the AFC East, and, you know, Miami's a fraud, and, we, you know, we see that now. That was highly predictable. Buffalo, despite their win, stinks, and the Jets apparently stink worse than they do. I mean, that they've been getting away with that division. I'm not trying to think of anything from the, from the Patriots, because every year they end up in the AFC championship game. But as I told you before, I thought last year they were vulnerable. I think that's even more true this year. We'll see. The Patriots are going to win that division going away. But by falling to 7-3, and three, if the Steelers are able to beat Jacksonville, they now are a half-step ahead of New England. Now, that will all be resolved, or I should say could all be resolved, when they play here. And unless the Steelers have a game-and-a-half lead on them, with the tie playing a significant role in that. Unless that's the case, then that game here in Pittsburgh could decide who has home field advantage, should the two have to play. The Steelers' schedule has been dubbed the fifth toughest schedule remaining in the NFL. However, it's top-heavy. Overall, despite the fact they're going to play the Patriots, and they're going to play the Saints, and they're going to play the Chargers overall. The teams they have remaining, the seven teams they have remaining, have a combined record of 28 and 30. And part of that, a big part of that, is because they have the Raiders in there. And now you're looking at, you know, one-win team. That's part of the reason for that. But they have three really difficult games. Not even thinking about the Cincinnati game at the end of the year. I'm beginning to think that that's not going to matter. But the Patriots losing to Tennessee unexpectedly, I suppose, by some. Although kudos to Jerry Dulak, who not only picked the upset yesterday, but picked it one point off the score. He predicted it to be 37 31. I'm talking about the Rams in Seattle. But he, what I meant to say was he picked Tennessee in his upset special. So now that drops the Patriots behind the Steelers for the time being. Kansas City right now is the number one seed, and of course the Steelers lost to them. But consider this. Next Monday night, Kansas City has to play the Rams. Mexico City, neutral site. But the Rams, to me, look like the best team in the NFL. All due respect, to New Orleans, no question. And they did beat the Rams, but... Let's suffice to say that at the very worst, the Rams are the second-best team in the league. I suppose the game against Kansas City will determine that. By the way, the Rams had a tough injury yesterday. They lost Cooper Cup, their wide receiver. Got a torn ACL, obviously done for the year. But if the Steelers can beat Jacksonville, and as we talked about last week, every game is important. But the Carolina win puts them in position to accomplish some of these things. And some of the things that happened yesterday really played well into their hands. And not just because Cincinnati lost. Because the Patriots lost. And because the Chiefs have to play the Rams. And the Chiefs still have San Diego ahead. San Diego is another factor. They're very much in consideration for the AFC West, and those two teams have to play each other again. Talking about Kansas City and, I call them, San Diego. Sorry, sue me. And, of course, the Chargers come here. Hey, the Chargers are good. I don't think they're a fluke, but they do have to play here in December. Again, another determinant game. But those games only become a major determining factor if the Steelers are able to beat Jacksonville. I don't know what's happened to them. Sometimes you're just a one year wonder. Remember a couple years ago, Oakland was 12 and four? Hello? Maybe Jacksonville was a one and done. They've had injury issues, but their injury issues don't explain why their defense has been so poor. That was their strong point. We understood about the offense, and we understood that Leonard Fournette has been hurt. He came back yesterday, was not a factor. 24 carries for 53 yards, (laughs) slightly over two. What do you average against the Steelers? 50 yards a carry? The other thing about their offense is we know it's limited. Blake Bortles actually, yesterday in their loss to Indianapolis, if you look at the numbers, he was 26 for 38. That's pretty good. Except, not much yardage. And 10 of his 26 completions were to running backs. He doesn't have downfield weapons. They got rid of Allen Robinson. They just don't have any downfield weapons. So the offense isn't significantly better than it was a year ago. Now maybe Fournette, with one game under his belt, will be a lot better than he was yesterday. 24 for 53. So he had five catches. So 29 touches, that's a lot coming back. And, hey, he's a heck of a back. But that was against an Indianapolis team that won't make anyone forget the steel curtain. And I think one thing that comes into play here as far as Fernette is concerned, we'll talk to Tunch about this, and that is the Steelers' run defense has been getting much, much, much better. They've been doing a much better job. Now, McCaffrey had some yards in the first quarter, but whatever adjustments they made, and of course the Steelers jumping on top, takes a team out of their running game, but they've done a pretty good job stopping the run. Whether they can stop Jacksonville's run, they didn't last year, we'll see. There's also the psychology involved. And the psychology would be, Does Jacksonville feel supremely confident because they beat the Steelers twice in Pittsburgh and in the playoffs? Does that give them some confidence? Also, when you're on a five-game losing streak, I don't like the hidden vigorous. What do we have here? A five-game losing streak against a five-game winning streak. Sometimes that stuff is a factor. Or is Jacksonville kind of in a mental state where they said, oh, boy, we stink. We're done. Three and six. Season's over. Although they did come back. They were down early against Indy. They came back and lost by three, had a chance to tie it or win it. So maybe there's still some fight in them. But that's the unknown. And the question is, have the Steelers matured enough as a team psychologically to avoid those letdowns. They shouldn't have one based on what happened last year, based on what happened yesterday, based on they got some extra rest. Have they matured? We'll be talking about that with Tunch. Keep in mind, I want to get your, we'll do this at 1 o'clock, your Steelers MVPs, offensively and defensively.
0: The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Third and eight, Cleveland at the Pittsburgh
1: 44, in the gun, Mayfield throws a long pattern down the near sideline, and it is intercepted, what a jump by Joe Hayden inside Damian Ratley.
2: It's time for Sabrin on Sports.
1: Well, maybe that gives you a tip on my choice for defensive MVP. I think there are a lot of guys who qualify. T.J. Watts had a very good year. I think the best year of anybody in the front seven. We're starting to see Hayward and Tewitt come on, but we're only going on the first nine games that we've seen. There, Some people, for example, J.B. says, either Mike Hilton or Joe Hayden for defense. I'll get to the offense in a moment. And I think Mike Hilton's been terrific. (laughs) But my choice for defensive most valuable player is Joe Hayden. I think the fact... By the way, want to hear from you. I should give you the numbers again. 412-922-2874-970. Email Stan Saverin at iheartmedia.com. Facebook Saverin on Sports or tweet at Stan Love the Show. We've seen what Joe Hayden can do. How he took Julio Jones out of the game. How he took A.J. Green Out of the game. But maybe Joe Hayden's greatest value is going back to the old Joni Mitchell song, Don't It Always Seem to Go That You Don't Know What You Got Till It's Gone. I've said this to you before, and I'm sorry to be a broken record. I would not sit here and say, that if Joe Hayden had played against Kansas City, that they would have won that game. I don't think you can say that. But I also know that Joe Hayden did not play that game, and that's the worst the Steelers secondary has looked all season long. If I'm not mistaken, didn't Mike Hilton miss that Kansas City game too? Hey, that's not taking anything away from Patrick Mahomes and what Andy Reid and the Chiefs are doing. But it's a reality. So it's not only Joe Hayden's play, but what he, I mean, when he's in there, the secondary is different. Now, listen, hey, that could all change Sunday against Blake Bortles. I'm not so sure. And maybe more than Bortles, that, that entire offensive weaponry at wide receiver and tight end they have or don't have, as the case may be. But we haven't seen the big chunk play. We haven't seen there was one 126-yarder. Was that against the the Bengal or the the Browns? The game was over. 10 seconds to play to the backup tight end. We haven't seen that. We haven't seen guys standing around in the secondary, pointing at one another, saying, Well, I thought that was your guy. Now, partially. That's because maybe they're getting more cohesive as a group. Maybe because Morgan Burnett is there to lend a veteran presence. Maybe they're understanding the defense better. And by the way, they're doing all this with substandard play for much of the season on the opposite corner. And even with Cody Sensabaugh, I mean, it's a weak spot. But it's not as weak as when Artie Burns is there. To me, this underscores the value of Joe Hayden. I just think that there's more than a coincidence here. I think it's more than just his presence. But no one can deny that he himself individually has played really, really very well. Rick agrees with me on Hayden as the defensive MVP, again, not just his performance, but what he has meant to the entire defense. Takes more than one, I just think. It's critical. And oh, by the way, when you look back at last year, when he had the broken leg, Now I realize some of that was coincidental with the injury to Ryan Shazier. So let's be honest about it. But there's no question that not having Hayden was a major factor. And remember, Hayden didn't play against the Patriots. Would that have changed the outcome? Well, the new rule might have changed the outcome. I just think he's been invaluable there. I don't know if he'll make the Pro Bowl or not, but who cares? Offensively, to me, it's a tougher call because the offense has been so good. I mean, any choice you make is not going to be a wrong one. Ben, obviously. I mean, it you know, he's having one of his best seasons. I don't know that any team is going to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender unless their quarterback is playing well. He's playing great. James Conner, running, receiving, blocking, everything. And by the way, ball security. I mean, everybody points to the fumble in Cleveland in the opener, and there's no question that turned that game around. But since that time, James Conner has been terrific with the football. And we know his offensive performance. A-B's A-B. He's going to make those kinds of plays. He's going to make those kinds of plays he made in Cincinnati to win the game. And maybe this is just as easy and transparent as it would seem, and maybe we're making a mistake by not singling out individuals. But when you stop and think about this offense or any offense, nobody's going anywhere if the offensive line isn't any good. And so I realize that there are no wrong answers here. But maybe just to be a little bit different, a little bit novel, and some of you are ahead of me on this, I'm going to cast my vote for the entire offensive line. For as good as Connor's been, for as good as Bell was, for as great as Ben has been, this year and in past years, I don't ever remember, well, I shouldn't say ever, But this offensive line has been tremendous. It's been great for running the football. Remember the playoff games against Kansas City and Miami when Bell went nuts? Good for him, but that offensive line. But I think this year, basically, with the possible exception of the Baltimore game, I mean, they've been tremendous. And not only is Connor gaining a tremendous amount of yards, But look at the protection that Roethlisberger has been getting. What is it, three sacks in five games? And one of them, I'll say it again, was really just a kneel down by Ben at the end of the Baltimore game, the Baltimore road game. He was just trying to kill the clock. Shouldn't even have been called a sack. Should have been a loss in rushing yardage and they've been throwing the ball a lot I mean they threw the ball 47 times against Buffalo uh, Buffalo Baltimore maybe Baltimore slipped the Buffalo levels. They're not that far ahead of them in the standings but they're you know you're throwing the ball on average over 30 times a game and you've given up legitimately two sacks in five games. I think Steeler fans don't need me to make a case for the offense or the offensive line. They get it. Knowledgeable football fans around here. <clears throat> but I re- that, that's my vote, and that's not taking anything away from anybody else. I just think they've been tremendous. So that's my vote. Joe Hayden and the offensive line, defense and offense. Rick says he voted for Hayden, but he says without Ben, that offense is average even with A.B. and Connor. Well, I think you'd say that about any quarterback. I mean, you might say, what would New Orleans offense look like without Drew Brees? What would the Patriots have done all these years without Tom Brady? I mean, I think that's a given. It's no less an important point, but I think it's it's a given. So those are my votes. JB agreed with me. He said the entire offensive line. I'm trying to get to your Facebook post, and Facebook is down. Well, anyway, the Jacksonville game. We're going to talk with Tunch about that. One of the reasons that Jacksonville was able to handle the Steelers last year was not just the defense. Obviously, they gave up 75 points in the two games between the two. But the offense contributed mightily to the Steelers' demise. The turnovers. You could actually make the case that the offense was directly responsible for seven points, but indirectly responsible for 17. And in addition to that, it's when those turnovers occurred. It helped put the Steelers behind the eight ball. Pick six, interception uh, the, the fumble return in the playoff game, all of a sudden you're down 21 nothing. So the defense did a terrible job stopping the run. That was a problem all year long after Shazier got hurt. The good news about the Jacksonville game is if you look over the last five games since the winning streak began... They've done a really good job of stopping the run. Part of that is due to their offense because they got big leads, and that takes a running game away from a team. But the truth is that they're defending the run much better now than they were at any point after the Shazier injury, which changed everything in terms of stopping the run.
0: Jason in Shaler
1: Township. Hi, Jason.
0: Hey, Dan. Thanks for taking my call. You got it. Hey, uh, so – One thing, I'm going to give my offense and my defense, but I wanted to say something uh, before I I, I say the guys. He's probably the most underrated quarterback in in NFL history. Ben Roethlisberger, you know, at the age that he is, everyone's talking about, uh, you know, Drew Brees and – Uh, Brady and all these guys, but Ben Roethlisberger, if he's not better than them, he is just as good. And um, and so I think he's my offensive MVP, his resurgence this year. He looks like he's uh, 23 years old out there. And then uh, on defense, I think Joe Hayden Uh, and, and he, you know, he's having a good year, but I think what he brings to that secondary is just, uh, it makes a huge difference. I think by far, He's definitely the MVP of the secondary and of the defense, um, but you know his, uh, you know him with them younger guys. He's just a great leader.
1: Well, there's no question. I uh, mean, we agree on that. I, again, I mean, I think T.J. Watt's had a very good season. We've seen some guys rebound. I think um, Javon Hargrave. I'm not willing to say that. Uh, I don't think he had a good season at all last year. We're told that he may have been hurt, playing hurt, that kind of thing. Um, and, and, you know, there have been other contributors. I mean, L.J. Fort in his own way. Uh, I think Sean Davis playing in a more natural position in free safety. But to me, I agree with you, Jason. The one standout to me is, again, Joe Hayden, not only because of his individual play, but as I suggested and you followed up, the, the impact that he has on the rest of the secondary. Younger everybody, really, it allows them to do some things that they have not been able to do. I mean, he's that valuable. He's invaluable.
0: Stan, do you think Roethlisberger is underrated nationally?
1: Yes, he is, and I'll tell you why. Because for the most part, the Steelers, not now so much, but in the early portions of Ben's career, what did they do best? They, they ran, ran the, the ball.
0: ball.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, I mean, they had, you know, weapons. They had Hines Ward and Plexico, and Heath was still around. And But they ran the ball. That's That's what they did. Uh, under Bill Cowher. That's, you know, changed. The league has changed. But I think one of the reasons that Ben doesn't get the attention that the other ones get, and let's say, hey, let's be honest about Brady. Hey, he he won all those Super Bowls. That's a factor, whether they cheated or not to do it. I mean, you can't deny Brady's greatness. And Breeze has won a Super Bowl, also had a bunch of numbers, but fantasy football, fantasy football is Ben's enemy because he didn't put up pinball machine numbers like some of the other quarterbacks were doing. It's not the way they played back in those days. Change now, they've got a prolific offense, an offense you might say is as good as anybody else's, but I do think that's part of the reason people still have this image of the Steelers running the ball, which they still like to do, um, and playing defense, which they're not doing nearly well enough, but I think that's the reason, and fantasy football has a lot to do with it. All right, thanks, Dan. All right, Jason, thanks so much for the call. All right, what about the Jacksonville game? Have the Steelers matured to a point where they're not going to overlook anybody, or are they playing much better than they were when they lost to Jacksonville, although they were 13-3 and for crying out loud? Skip says they would, would would have won both games last year without turnovers. Same for this game. Never seen a more overrated defense than the Jaguars. They give up points on everybody. And let's remember, the Steelers, have, I think, are 11-0-1 in their last 12 road games. So we'll see. What needs to change for them to win and beat Jacksonville? Tunch joins us next on Savernon Sports on ESPN Pittsburgh.
0: The Saverin on Steelers Podcast from Steelers Nation Radio.
1: ...get the first down and more, and he's on his way. He's got a foot race. Fournette. He's at the 40, the 35, the 25, the 10, and that is a Jacksonville touchdown of 90 yards. Yeah, Leonard Fournette gained 4,000 yards. Uh <clears throat> in the two games against the Steelers. Thad posts on Twitter, I don't have a great feeling about this road game. I can't explain why. Hope I'm wrong. Well, past history would be a real good reason why, Thad. We're joined now by our colleague and friend, Tunch Oaken. Tunch is brought to us by Calusi Chevrolet. Don't forget Tunch and Wolf each weekday morning, 10 until noon. Uh, Tunch, we remember what Leonard Fournette and the Jacksonville running game did to the Steelers. Uh, this as and the, one before the injury to uh, Ryan Cheesier, the one after uh, the injury to Ryan. Has the Steelers' run defense improved enough to negate the Jacksonville running game? In your opinion?
2: You know, absolutely, Stan. I think the the defense is playing much better versus the run, and I, and I think the addition to John Bostic has been a um, a great move uh, for the run game. But I will say that in the two games, the the, uh, turnovers were the crucial part of it. I mean, uh, Fournette was uh, also uh, a a huge um, point of where the Steelers did not play to their abilities. But I also think that the takeaways, uh, the giveaways, uh, I should say, uh, was a was big, but you know there were both uh, touchdowns, both defensive touchdowns scored in in both games. Rather, yeah. So I just uh, you know I, I just think you can't turn the ball over against these guys, and uh, uh, and you got to slow them down. You got to slow Leonard Fournette down. That's a fact.
1: And of course, it changed the way the Steelers were able to play their offense. Although they fought back in that game, but you know we've seen the Steelers do it to other teams. We saw the Steelers against Kansas City falling way behind. It alters. Um, yeah. What you can do and what you want to do offensively.
2: No doubt about it. You know you've got to set the tone, and, and that's what they've been doing. And I think this is a better. I think this is a much better football team on both sides of the ball than the one that played the Jacksonville Jags twice uh, last year. And you know I, I love the way uh, uh, the, the defense. Uh, you know the the front end and the and and, uh, and the linebackers. You know the defensive linemen and the linebackers. They're doing. They're playing much more discipline gap defense you know everyone's shown up where they're supposed to be and I also think that um Sean Davis uh he is playing much better free safety than he than he did at strong and having Morgan Burnett and Terrell Edmonds uh, uh you know against a run focused team I think you know both of them are big physical uh box type safeties and I think that's a uh, uh, a, a big part of this and and like i said before john bostick and and vince williams are both just cut out of the same cloth they're, the, they're both downhill thumper inside linebackers kind of old school three four linebackers uh and uh you know and if you look at the way the jacksonville jags play offense they're a bit of an old school run first offense as well
1: you know that the that the personnel, of course, is one thing. I totally agree with what you're saying, uh, but I'm also wondering about perhaps a subtle change in the way Keith Butler or Mike Tomlin, or I should say, and or Mike Tomlin, have redesigned the defense. Because you remember that going into last year, summer of 2017. Uh, Butler said, we want to get more pressure from our defensive end, so uh, we're not going to have them play as much two-gap. We're going to let them get after the quarterback. Well, maybe part of the problem was that they were creating lanes and getting run on. Have you seen the Steelers going back to at least a little bit more of that two-gap mentality, and has that contributed to being better defensively against the run?
2: Actually, no. I think they're still playing the one gap. But I think what they're doing is they're not getting upfield as far. The defensive line, like for instance, if if you're running outside zone against the Steelers and the, and then Stefan Tu uh, takes his gap and gets way upfield, field now, uh, and then you uh, Javon Hargrave is, is playing it uh, playing to the shade of the, the center, but it's playing close to the line of scrimmage. Now there's a there's a natural hole. And I think that, uh, um, you know, from a standpoint of they're just, uh, they're just playing better together. and Maybe it took a while for them to, to, to learn how to play that a little bit better.
1: The other factors on defense, there are many. When they made the flip-flop of Bud Dupree and T.J. Watt, it was said, well, we need to get Bud on the blind side. It'll help his game out. But it appears, and maybe just because T.J. Watson in second year, and maybe last year he hit that rookie wall. Um, I don't know if you can comment on that. You've experienced it. Um, but the one thing that I think has been under-evaluated, under-reported, is that it has benefited Bud, it would seem, but it would seem that Watt is playing much better. How does playing that wide side benefit his game?
2: Well, you know, I think it's it's, it's just that, you know, certain guys are more comfortable on certain sides, you know, and I think TJ Watt is more comfortable coming off the edge on the left side, I think but is more comfortable coming off the uh, the edge on the right side. Now I don't know how much of uh, um, uh, of TJ's uh, lack of production late last year was uh, the rookie wall because you know you pointed out that I've experienced why well, you know remember I got cut my rookie year so I missed the, <laughs> the season. So I never hit a rookie wall you know playing touch football in the Chicago park district you know i don't like the break but i've led the league in that <laughs> well staff that was that a,
1: year. getting cut is a pretty big wall touch that's <laughs> that's, that's a pretty tough wall there
2: so so, so i never felt the fatigue uh, cuz i only played 12 games and uh uh so uh anyways uh or 10 games <laughs> uh actually and uh and the, the the touch football i played in chicago didn't have an effect on me but uh um I think that, uh, you know, these guys do, uh, there is a, um, a wear down as they go from their season to the bowl games, to the combine uh, prep, to the combine, to uh, minicamp, to OTAs. And so, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I really can't speak to that. But I, I just think that they're, you know, you can see that they're playing better team defense uh, all around. Uh uh, the front end is helping the back end. Back end is helping the front end. Uh, it, it is just, it, is, it, it has been the type of football we, we were, were waiting for. And uh, they look like they're playing in unison. You know, one of the things that uh, was great about uh, Ryan and uh, and Vince Williams was they played really well uh, in tandem. And so it's taken a little while for Vince and John Bostic to 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 get to that point where they're playing well in tandem over the last three games, they have played well in tandem. And if those inside backers, that's what you want out of them on rundowns.
1: Tunch, I've asked uh, fans today, listeners to vote. Here we are just past the midway point, nine games into the season for their offensive and defensive MVPs. Uh, Let's start with defense. Um, Some people agree. Some people have had other folks in there, uh, My nominee, and I want yours, is Joe Hayden, not only for his individual play, but for what he seems to mean to the entire defense, certainly the secondary, in terms of cohesiveness, uh, lack of big plays, lack of guys pointing fingers. I thought that was your guy. Uh, it just yeah. seems to me he's been he's been great individually taking Julio Jones and, uh, and Green out of the game, AJ Green, but also just in general, it just seems when he's not in there, there are issues.
2: Yeah, you know what? I, that, that's a great pick, and and I, uh, I would you, you know, uh, and I actually picked him as well, but because you picked him, I'm going to pick someone else. I'm going to go with Mike Hilton. Ah, uh, mm-hmm. I I, lo- I love the way Mike Hilton plays for a little bitty guy. He has such a great feel for the game. He doesn't get blocked. He ducks under blocks. Uh, you know, he can he can cover the big tight ends or the, the little slot receivers. Uh, he's great at timing up blitzes, and he's you know for for a small guy he he doesn't shy away from contact. So I'm going to go with uh, uh, Mike Hill.
1: It's a good choice. Some other people have picked him too. I there's no question. Um, they're they're getting so much more out of their secondary, um, right. I, you know. I mean, Cody I mean Barty Burns obviously is a huge disappointment, but Cam Sutton is filled in at times. That sort of thing, Sensabaugh. I mean, I think overall they're they're certainly better. Uh, and I, I love Mike Hilton. Um, offensively, there are the usual suspects. Naturally, you're not going to be a great offense without a great quarterback. Uh, James Connor has just wowed everybody. Right. A B is A B. Um, but I'll, uh, I'll tell you, you're going to like this. You don't have to pick it. Uh, I went to a separate category, and I put the offensive line as a singular entity, and I voted yes. for them. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, they're all interdependent, but the thing that strikes me, Tunch, is that in the five-game winning streak, Ben has been sacked three times. One of those was a bogus sack in Baltimore at the end of the game. As much as they throw the ball, that's astounding to me.
2: Right, absolutely. I mean, there and at times, Ben looks like he ordered a pizza back there and is waiting for it to be delivered. Uh, <laughs> Stan. I mean, he—that's how much time he's had. And, and you know, those guys have just been outstanding. And you know, uh, and and I, I I always pick when the offensive line is playing well. I always pick them as uh, the MVP. But then I get these uh, comments, oh, you're just an offensive line apologist and <laughs> not an offensive line fan. And those are all true statements. Uh, so I'm going to take it, am going to take a different, uh, uh, look at this. And you know, James Conner and, you know, but I'm going to go with Vance McDonald and I'm going to go with Vance McDonald because the energy, the intensity and the physicality he brings. Uh and, You know he is just uh, electrifying, and he's like a one-man wrecking crew. And I love the way he plays, and I I, I believe that he's just going to get better and better as the season goes on.
1: Well, you know, a lot of people point to that stiff arm play in Tampa Bay as maybe the most important play of the year. You know, they're coming yeah. down there; they're o one and one. Tampa Bay jumps out on him, and here he comes. Um, and knocks a guy out of the game and scores a touchdown. I mean, I think he, he, he's really, he stays healthy. Um, he's such an important uh, part of that team. I know you just began watching film. Uh, I know that um, your, your first session was today. What I, I understand that Fournette has been hurt, but he came back yesterday and really didn't do a whole lot. Maybe he's rusty uh, after his hamstring. But what's, if anything, what jumps out at you as to what's different about Jacksonville now as opposed to last year,
2: Stan, I can't come in. I actually didn't. Uh, go, oh, you haven't gotten uh, there yet? Uh, was, yeah, I went to get. I went to the chiropractor. I had to, to get my neck worked. <laughs> okay, <laughs>
1: uh, Wolf would have done that for free.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, I went to see my good buddy Doctor Major. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I haven't seen. I watched a little. You know, they showed the final. A minute of that game uh, yesterday afternoon, so I really couldn't see, but I'm going to go over uh, after you and I are off the air, then I'm going to go uh, 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 watch some film, um, so I really can't uh, comment what the difference is in the Jags.
1: Just from afar though, obviously, you know, you've they've been a big disappointment. Jalen Ramsey tweeted it out, and he certainly no stranger to Twitter, said, you'll be missing me when I'm gone. Um, you, that, that sort of thing, although team turmoil, shouldn't say anything about any other team, but um, uh, it would seem to things that things are uh, very fragile in Jacksonville, although they, they they got down early yesterday and they did come back and almost won that game.
2: Yeah, you know what? I, 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 the, Jalen Ramsey has done the Jacksonville Jags no favors with his uh, uh, social media uh, activity. You know, he, he's a He's a he, he's a great or he was a great corner last year. I haven't seen him uh, this year. I haven't seen Jacksonville at all on film, so I'm not going to comment that. But when you have uh, AJ Bouye and uh, Jalen Ramsey, and you have those you know Miles Jack and you know the the, the fast linebackers and the pass that there, you have a good defense. Now I don't know if uh, they have just. Uh, uh, been playing poorly. I, you know, Calais Campbell's a guy that you know I've been a big fan of uh, because of the way he plays. But he's getting long in the tooth. I don't know what that. And that they got rid of Dante Fowler. I don't know what was with that. Uh, so you know, obviously they, they're you know, all is not well in paradise right now uh, with the Jacksonville Jags. But I, but I gotta watch it on film to see if any guys are loafing or exactly what's going on.
1: Just the last question, tuncha we'll let you go, and you can get to your film study and get your neck straightened out there. Uh, you know, one of the things about the Steelers, and these are intangibles, um, I don't like playing teams that have a five-game losing streak. The old Bob Prince hitting vigorous. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, the Steelers are riding high, five-game winning. You don't see many five-game streaks one way or the other. Um, and, and, and I'm wondering about the, the maturity of the Steelers team. We know some of the issues last year: mouthing off, spouting off, those kinds of things. Uh, is this Steeler team more mature to use their losses to Jacksonville, if indeed that's a factor, in a positive way?
2: Absolutely, uh, Stan. I mean, you look at what was uh, said by David DeCastro uh, and Cam Hayward. Um, you know, the frustration with being too mouthy last year, uh, and and then the fact that they lost. Two, they're not admitting it, but there is a uh, revenge factor. You, you, you can't help that. You know, uh, the the thought of losing to those guys twice at home, once in the playoffs, to send you home. Uh, they're, you know, they're not going to talk about it because they don't want to make more of it than it uh, than it is. But make no mistake about it, they want revenge. They want to get even with Jacksonville and. They've got the opportunity this Sunday in Jacksonville uh, to uh, to make a point.
1: All right. It's a very important game, even if it's against a 3-6 and yes. Six team. Yes. Largely because of what happened yesterday. Because the Bengals got lost. They seem to be in a state of disarray. Fired their defensive coordinator this morning. Um, New England lost. Uh, Kansas City now has to play the Rams next Monday night. Um, you get San Diego. Excuse me, I call them San Diego.
2: I don't care. Yeah, I, I do that too. I don't I care. Do that too. Yeah.
1: They're San Diego, at least for it's another still San year. Diego. For another it's still year. San Diego. Like yeah. Oakland will be Oakland until even when they move to Vegas. But it's it's yeah. important to consolidate the the good fortune they had yesterday. Tunch, glad you're next feeling better. I hope it is anyway. That's, thanks for Yeah, being. It is. It is. Good. <laughs> it is. Good. Well, I'm telling you, Wolf, uh, now you can work on Wolf's knee while you're at it. Yeah. All right, brother. All thanks. right, Tunch. Thanks very much. Bye bye. All right, that's Tunch Oaken.